0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Power Slam podcast. I am Brendan Dennis, your host, whose opinions you will be hearing here over the next probably half hour to 45 minutes. This episode specifically is going to focus on Secure Genesis on New Japan Pro Wrestling. So if you want to tune out, if you are a WWE fan, please do so. Um, or, w- I shouldn't say that. WWE fans specifically. You can be a fan of both promotions. Um... You could probably move past this episode because I will be doing a WrestleMania preview, hopefully later this week, obviously later this week, because if I don't do it, then I'm kind of in trouble. Um, But for the purposes of today, I'm going to focus on Sakura Genesis. I want to cover them in two separate casts, simply because I did want to cover some new Japan. And if I focused too much on one or the other, I didn't think it was going to make for a very well thought out episode Um, So, again, I'm splitting it up. It should be hopefully easier for all of you out there, the listeners, to navigate, considering it'll be New Japan in one cast and WWE in another cast. Who knows? Maybe I'll do that in the future uh, as a format going forward. I'm also thinking of adding kind of a rumor mill section to my format where I will go over WWE, New Japan, all wrestling rumors at the outset of the podcast and just do some hot takes. Um, those that probably wouldn't comprise more than like a five to ten minute segment uh, before i got into the meat and potatoes of the rest of the cast so something i'm considering not something i'm necessarily going to do for the purposes of today instead again we are going to get right into secure genesis took place back on april 1st and then into new japan going forward and where uh, this all leads so secure genesis bullet club very very interesting stuff um as I stated in the original cast, the matches that I was most interested in going into Secure Genesis, besides obviously Zack Samer Jr. and kazuchiko Okada, were the Bullet Club Civil War matches, essentially. The first of which being the Young Bucks and Yujiro or excuse me, the Young Bucks versus Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens. That one unsurprisingly uh ended up with a Bucks win which you figured was going to happen considering they had just lost to the Golden Lovers and they are the well-recognized tag team. There pretty much wasn't a chance of Ujiro and Chase winning unless there were uh, some shenanigans, possibly some involvement from the Tongan, you know, New Japan element of the Bullet Club. I don't know, but that of course did not take place. It was a clean match. The Bucks ended up winning. Uh, there was a moment at the beginning where you kind of figured you know, what you kind of figured was going to happen where they were giving each other dap. They were Um, kind of on each other's side saying hey we're all in this together and then the match happened it was a clean match again there was no post-match breakup or anything with those four so what you can take from that I'm not really sure it was the Bucks against Yujiro and Chase who are two of the if if not the two lower elements of the Bullet Club really outside of probably uh, Leo Tonga Uh, so I'm not sure what there is necessarily to take from that, but there wasn't any craziness. I think what we're going to discuss here in a couple minutes is probably going to be the bigger thing to take from it being the latest episode of being the elite and the alleged new logo being presented for the Bullet Club by Cody. There was the match then later on in the evening, which was pretty enthralling, frankly, between Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega, the Golden Lovers and Cody and Hangman Page. Now, that one, you knew it was going to be kind of a violent fight, simply because Hangman's been in Cody's corner the entire time. There has been no wavering on Hangman's part in terms of who he is aligned with and where he stands in the intra-club fighting. So you knew he wasn't going to have any hesitations about going at Kenny, any of that stuff. So... The match happens now what's interesting about the match having happened was that in the middle of the match the young bucks got involved for like a very brief period of time um, and came down to the ring and nothing much really came of it except for the fact that they were going to put I believe it was at the time I want to say it was like um, was it Kenny through a table possibly and then they came in and they stopped it. it it's very interesting. The Bucks are not sure kind of whose side that they're on. That's the wild card in the entire Bullet Club feud. I think they continue to play that up very well, um, especially Nick, because you've got Nick sort of in the middle where Cody's like, oh, Nick's my BFFL. Nick's the man. I love Nick Jackson. And then at the same time, at the end of the previous being the Elite, so not the new, new one. There's a new one that was literally released, I want to say, on monday i'm recording this on tuesday the third um but on monday i believe there's a new one released that we'll talk about it i kind of know the premise of it loosely i'll probably maybe pause the cast and watch it before i continue to comment um but in the previous one nick after cody left the locker room said i don't know if i trust that guy you know so there's a lot of hesitation on nick jackson's part as to how much he really wants to be involved in Cody. And then, of course, you know all the backstory between Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega uh, being best friends and everything else. So it's very, very well done on New Japan's part to just string it out, make the fans guess as to how this is all going to shake out and keep everybody watching. And in my own opinion, I think that... This could end up shaking out. Now, now Cody has been a great heel, but this could end up shaking out with him being out of the Bullet Club, in addition to Kenny being out of the Bullet Club, to me. Um, we could get a situation where, you know, Kenny's gonna be out of the Bullet Club, but the Bucks are so equally unhappy with the way that Cody is handling things. Um, and they come out to be, and, and they prove to be the ones kind of pulling the strings. They're the puppet masters in all of this. I think that there is certainly a chance that that could end up being the result. That they're the ones who run the Bullet Club in the end along with probably Tamatonga and Bad Luck Fale and they sort of recenter kind of the Bullet Club in New Japan and branching out across the world while Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes go their own way and try to make themselves outside of the Bullet Club. So I did just take a break and watch the latest episode of Being the Elite. And (laughs) it pretty much finishes in a very similar form and fashion to the prior episode, which is with Nick saying, I don't think we can trust this guy, that being Cody. And I think that's exactly how this is going to go. The Bucks are starting to shut down Cody's ideas I think they are the ones who are asserting themselves really as the leaders of Bullet Club County coming out of this, not Cody Rhodes, not Kenny Omega. It's going to be the Bucks. with, I think the real question becomes, if it is the Bucks, how does that melt with the Tongans? Do they reach some sort of you know, continuity and truth and can they all lead Bullet Club going forward as a unit and not let these outside influences rule the direction that the group is going to go in. and Does this mean that... I think Kenny's not necessarily going to get expelled, but I don't see Kenny Omega being a large part of Bullet Club going forward. I think that he is going to focus on what's going on with Bushi and kind of spinning out of the group on his own. I don't think he, as an individual, frankly, not even as a character, ever really felt comfortable in Bullet Club, despite the fact that it heavily popularized him and his character. So I think that he is going to spin off... But I think the real question becomes is this storyline going to expel in the end Cody and Hangman Page? Are they going to be gone out of the group coming out of this? So then that I don't necessarily have an opinion on one way or another as to how it's actually going to go. I think that Cody and Hangman have been great on being the elite. So I think it would be very difficult to let them go from that perspective. But at the same time, with Cody and Hangman being as kind of far gone as they are and so set in their ways as to how Bullet Club should proceed going forward, don't you kind of have to kick them out of the club? I don't know if they're being left with much of an alternative. I mean, what would happen otherwise? Would they just sort of, you know, uh, be put down and kind of put back in their place? And kind of accept the fact that you know Cody isn't the leader, and you know Hangman is right hand man, isn't the you know second in command, so to speak. I don't know, but uh, you know, so that that part I think is going to be you know, really different to see how that unfolds. I think that, in, in my opinion, it would probably be smart for them to stay in the fold of the Bullet Club again, just for the purposes of being the elite. I think Cody, he really, he's really impressed me with. The way that he has handled his independent career since leaving wwe the list that he posted on instagram the uh, breadth of you know his reach in terms of going to other promotions you know his in-ring work still needs work but i think it's gotten better i I think he's been able to showcase it more outside of the stardust character and frankly the limitations that are imposed upon wrestlers in wwe in terms of their moves and what have you so uh, he I, I have a lot more respect for him on the indies than I did in WWE and I think a lot of people do and to keep him in the fold would be smart So that is kind of my tangent on the Bullet Club and where they're headed at a secure Genesis Let's focus on the main event. Let's go to Zack Sabre jr. And Kazuchika Okada and what that was You know, a Lot of the reviewers out there Have that right up there as an absolute classic match I've seen a lot of four-and-a-half stars, four-and-three-quarter stars. I think I may have seen a five-star. People believing that that was a fantastic display of Sabre, his technical wrestling, Okada not being quite sure what to do with the technical wrestling and and trying to overcome that, Um, and then Sabre trying to counter uh, the moves of Okada. Obviously, Okada has been really ramping up, utilizing the Cobra Clutch. I think a lot of people thought that could be utilized as a maneuver to uh, take care of Zack Sabre in this match. It was not. It was the repeated Rainmakers, which, again, there are those detractors out there that say, oh, my gosh, so what are you going to do this? Like, hold the wrist, Rainmaker, hold the wrist, Rainmaker, move you know, repeatedly over and over to finish these matches. And I think it is, it does get a little bit stale, but the rest of the match is so good, and the emotion that Okada puts into it, and the way the sell job that his opponents put on r- continues to make it kind of special even though you've seen it before. So that is the way that it finished. It was three Rainmakers and I believe a pile driver, if I recall correctly. Um, Tombstone pile driver from Okada to put Saber away. Um, and Okada ties Tanahashi's record for most title defenses. So then what happens after the match is over... Hiroshi Tanahashi, you know the crowd's calling for him. Sure enough, he comes out, uh, tells Okada that he's coming for him, and that he's going to be the one to put an end to the streak and basically ensure that he remains in the record books uh, with those title that title defense record, and uh, challenged him to wrestling in I believe I believe it's pronounced Untaku, uh, which takes place in early May, um, around for WWE fans will be around the time of Backlash. I think it's the same week. As backlash. So that will be an interesting pay per view just from the perspective of it being Tanahashi and Okada. And much like Okada's try, rainmaker finisher, I, I don't really get sick of Tanahashi and Okada. I think when you look at New Japan and you look at the top four talents in New Japan, at least the way it's been over the last couple of years, in no particular order, it's been Naito, Omega, Okada, and Tanahashi. And Okada and Tanahashi have gone even longer than that, being in that group of top four. It's really Naito and Omega that have kind of shifted into that. Um, but those two just put on displays that you wouldn't believe again, not just from the technical wrestling aspect, from you know the violence, from the selling, from the um, just the work in the ring, the crispness of the match. Even though Tana's getting up there, he's almost like Cena in that he, from a physical standpoint, he keeps it together. And make sure that he doesn't kind of wear down over time the guy is an iron man you know he has an injured bicep all he does is wrap it up and go back back out there i mean he basically has the same injury that has kept Rey mysterio out of action from what i know again i'm not a doctor i shouldn't necessarily speculate on this but both of them had torn biceps and that kept Rey mysterio out of the los angeles show for new japan um And has put his WrestleMania status into jeopardy, assuming that he did sign out with WWE, something I talked about in my last podcast. But Tanahashi, presumptively, had the same injury and just kind of shrugged it off, throws a wrap on it, and continues to wrestle. And he finally just took some time off after Wrestle Kingdom to rehab. But the the guy just won't slow down. And I, I think he deserves a ton of credit. He was the ace in New Japan. I still think he is the ace in New Japan uh, just because of the, the work again that he puts in, the effort that he puts in. And he is an example in that locker room. He absolutely has to be for the rest of those talents and the young lions coming up uh, to show them really what it is uh, to be a true worker. So, Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi, one of my favorites and I'll love to see uh, him wrestle Kazuchika Okada. That might be one I spring for in May. To see that. I was thinking of springing for this for Sabre and Okada. I will admit that I didn't see the match myself. I basically read reviews but I've got the gist of what transpired. Um But you know that one might be one that makes me dole out the money. You know, I, I am not, when we do this podcast, just so everybody out there is aware, I'm not one of those guys who owns a website or relies on advertising dollars to put that together. You know, I'm not a casual fan, but I'm not uh, the guy who, again, who works and makes his living off of wrestling. So, you know, I'll have the WWE network the majority of the year. There will be some spotty months where I don't have it. Uh, New Japan, I'll get twice a year typically, as I stated in the last podcast, once for wrestle Kingdom, once for uh, the G One Climax final. Other than that, you know, again, I'm not typically reaching out and watching. ring of honor pay-per-views or progress or impact pay-per-views that kind of stuff that's just not up my alley in terms of the the time that I have I've got a son I've got a job I've got a girlfriend I'm uh, moving into a new house I've got a lot of other things going in out of my life to focus on and I really enjoy professional wrestling and I like to talk about it I like to watch it in my spare time and if I can do that I'll do that but I'm not going to go way out of my way um, to watch some of this stuff so uh, if that's what you're looking for in terms of you know firsthand knowledge of every single match and star reviews and stuff like that you're not going to get back here but you will get my opinions and you'll get my opinions on uh, what's transpiring going forward and if I talk about a topic that you like then hopefully I can do that um, so that is what basically transpired to secure Genesis there were some other matches that took place that were a little bit lower on the card um not as hard hitting not as you know groundbreaking from a storyline perspective as the ones that i just spoke about um, a lot of matches that were set up one match i I guess i will mention uh, before we get off this topic was the match between will osprey and marty Skrull. um another match that has much like tamahashi and okada but typically in other promotions has been done many times over um particularly in Britain, but here we get to see it in New Japan for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. That match was much like Okada and Zack Sabre Jr. Supposedly fantastic. And again, when I get New Japan for the climax, maybe I'll get it, as I said, May. If these are ones I do tab certain matches for myself to go back and review and watch later on. And that is one that I very well might have to uh, find some time for it because that was supposed to be just an absolute clinic. But what's important here, and I do know this from my knowledge of the history of Will Ospreay and uh, Marty Scroll, is that Scroll has usually, throughout their careers, been the more dominant wrestler when they faced off head to head. Scroll has been the one to have the career advantage, so to speak, over Ospreay um, that has only, I think, recently shifted in new japan where osprey has been the one to basically get the upper hand on scroll uh, specifically at wrestle kingdom 12 where they went into the fatal four way scroll came in with the belt osprey left with it and now here head to head at secure genesis so that is i, I think tells a grander greater more thought out and well-developed storyline than you see again in other promotions New Japan just does it better, and I would imagine that Osprey and Skrull had a very strong hand. Now, I guess I you know don't count, I guess don't credit Gato and Jado you know fully because I have a feeling that Osprey and Skrull have had a hand in developing again that storyline, considering it has spanned multiple promotions, and again painted a picture for the masses as to their own backstory and really sold these matches because these are matches that everybody should want to see knowing the history of those two wrestlers um, and how long they've been rivals and how long they've been going at it and how what, what amazing performers each of them are. So that's Secure Genesis. Um, again, Dontaku, I set up a little bit with the talk of Tanahashi and Okada. I'm sure we'll talk about that. And uh, once, you know, additional musings come out about the Bullet Club, I'll talk about those. Um, let's get into now, since I'm trying to focus more on New Japan, uh, let's meld in a little bit to Ring of Honor, where we're going to have Kenny Omega and Cody go head-to-head at Supercard of Honor 12, taking place in New Orleans on WrestleMania weekend. That, to me, undoubtedly, is the largest match outside of WrestleMania taking place I believe at Last Blush, they had sold almost 6,000 seats for that show. That's going to be, from a, you know, an internet buzz perspective, I would imagine a huge show. Uh, I think they're very close to selling out um, the show, the, the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. And I would be pretty shocked if they didn't just because of the, again, gravity of that match. This has been a storyline that's played out. Within New Japan, within the Ring of Honor, uh, over the course of many months here, and you knew that the split was gonna be contentious. It's it's a huge match. It's again the biggest match in WrestleMania weekend outside of WWE, and I would be absolutely floored if uh Supercard of Honor didn't sell out as a result of that match. I don't know who's gonna win. I don't I I don't know. I, I would imagine that there's at least a shot that there could be outside interference. But again, this isn't WWE, it's not WCW. There, there aren't a lot of these false finishes, a lot of these dusty finishes. They don't happen as much in New Japan Ring of Honor. You're typically... The, the odds of you getting a clean finish are significantly higher in those latter promotions. So knowing that, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a clean finish. But again, knowing the storyline, I don't know how they would necessarily finish clean. I don't, I don't know what could be what story could be told during the course of the match to lead to a clean finish and how that would sit with everybody in the end. I, I I could see a situation where they're wrestling, Hangman comes down, you know, looks to initiate some sort of shenanigans that are gonna get Kenny pinned, and then the Bucks come down and make the save and, you know, basically kick Cody and Hangman out of the bullet club afterwards. Again, that's sort of my suspicion as to what could happen. Um, you know they say Kenny and Kenny goes his separate way, does what he wants to do with Golden Lovers going forward in Obushi and um, you know, the Bucks remain in the Bullet Club, and kind of our joint leaders with the Bullet in the Bullet Club with um, Tama Tonga and Bad Luck I could foresee that happening, or again, there could be a clean pin. If there's a clean pin, though, I have no idea um, from that perspective who would get the clean pin. I don't know. It it really confuses the heck out of me. It's a Ring of the The one thing to keep in mind here, okay? And again, I think that everybody has been granted a pretty fair amount of leeway from both New Japan and Ring of Honor as to how this story is going to be told. But it's always smart to keep in the back of your mind who it is that the wrestlers primarily work for out of those two promotions when you're trying to make predictions as to the matches. Now, tag matches is not going to matter as much. Okay, so for instance, Cody and Hangman beat uh, the Golden Lovers at Secure Genesis. Okay, so you're saying you're going to think to yourself, "Well, that was a New Japan um, pay-per-view. You know, the Golden Lovers are New Japan wrestlers. Cody and Hangman are ROH wrestlers." That goes against your theory entirely. Yes and no. Part of my theory is that tag matches, unless they're literally for tag titles if they're just tag matches for the sake of tag matches which this one kind of was then I don't really that theory may hold some water but not nearly as much as if they're singles matches so if you've got two guys and you're talking about a clean singles match finish I think that the promotion in which the pay-per-view assuming it's a pay-per-view is taking place definitely hold more weight As to the potential outcome So Heading a Supercard of Honor It's a Ring of Honor Pay-per-view Cody is the Ring of Honor Wrestler Kenny is the New Japan Wrestler I would give At least some Deference to Cody In that regard So the promotion weighs in Cody's favor Other than that I don't know what weighs, Frankly in anybody's favor In terms of this, this Match I think New Japan made Kenny Omega a star. I still think that if he wants to remain in that promotion, he's going to be a star going forward. I think that he's going to have a tag titles run here with Abushi soon, probably over the summer, um, and then by you know sometime in the fall and winter, maybe they'll do a split, and maybe they'll have a payoff at Wrestle Kingdom thirteen. But I, I don't see Kenny Omega leaving New Japan, and I, I think that's where a lot of the stems. I, unless I'm just way off base. Kenny Omega seems to really like his time in New Japan. He seems to like it as a promotion. He doesn't seem to be itching to, frankly, go anywhere anytime soon. So to book Omega as if he's going to, as if this is old WCW, WWE, Monday Night Wars, and he's going to walk off the promotion with your belt, if you end up giving it to him at some point, I think is is ill- Conceived, if you're Gato and Jato. And again, for those that don't know, those are the two individuals who sometimes wrestle, but also book for New Japan. And sometimes, you know, I think that there are some opinions out there that feel as though Omega is being held back because of his kind of short contract status and then wondering if he's going to commit to the promotion. But I think he is committed to the promotion. I do. You know, he just resigned with them recently. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think he wants to be there. He knows Japanese. He seems to like Japan. He's got no ties that necessarily keep him in Canada or the United States otherwise. Um, so, no, I think he's a long-haul kind of guy for their promotion. I think they need to start treating him as such if that's indeed what's going on and they're holding him back um, due to commitment issues. So, um, but I, I think that from that perspective, New Japan has made him a large name. I think that the um that cody has been made you know a big name on the independent scene i think people feel as though too often a lot of these old wwe i guess i'll call them old not necessarily old but like former wwe wrestlers are made out to be too much on the independent scene and push too quickly without proving themselves but again as i just stated not long ago i think cody has proved himself i think that he has proved himself as a promoter in particular um and really just been a fantastic heel Through this run with the Bullet Club, both as a Bullet Club member to outside members of the Bullet Club. Um, So to, you know, other individuals such as Ibushi before the Golden Lovers stuff. um, You know, in all of his other matches that he's had in New Japan and Ring of Honor just being a Bullet Club asshole. um, And then him going forward uh, with Bullet Club inside of Bullet Club and just being a jerk kind of to everybody within the promotion. So uh, to me... I, again i i think it's up in the air i think it could go either way i'm sure that um both new japan and Ringer Vonner will figure out a way to go forward and the bullet club um no matter what the outcome of this is but i would suspect that there is going to be some sort of dq type finish in that match because and if it's not a dq it's going to be a clean finish but there's going to be some sort of interference Uh, From some source. It's not just gonna be believe me somebody's gonna be at ringside for that match It's it's not just gonna be the two of them in the ring. There's gonna be a clean finish There's no way that's gonna transpire if it does. I'll be floored Um, But there's gonna be some outside interference and some other influences there So that's all I've got for this cast It's gonna be a short one um, Approximately half hour. So the next cast that I do will be a WrestleMania preview and Considering today is Tuesday. I'd like to watch SmackDown take that in And then probably get that cast uploaded, I would assume, by Thursday. So everybody can listen to that, uh, gearing up for WrestleMania Sunday. So have a great week, and uh, I'll be back soon. Thanks.